Welcome to Climbing the Pockets Mock Draft Mondays. Who will the Vikings pick and who's your favorite choice? Good evening, Climbing the Pocket Faithful. I'm your host tonight, Ryan Ortega, Sports Guy Rye. With me, we have Tyler Forness, co-host of this show and typical main host, I should say. And of course, we got our reliable David, who produces the show. Fellas, how are we doing tonight? Go oh, ahead, let me Tyler. tell you, life is really good. I am excited to have a little bit of a different format tonight, but it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and we're going to have a lot of great conversation. And I'm doing all right, doing pretty well. And what we're planning on doing tonight, and we need the viewers' help on this, is we are mocking the live draft show. What is intended for the live draft show is that during that three days of live broadcast, we will be here. You will start with the Climbing the Pocket experts. You have Tyler. You have Ryan. We'll be bringing in Matt Anderson. We'll be bringing in all the team plus some special guests throughout the mock or throughout the draft. On and on. Day one, two, and three. But tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to take Tyler's latest, greatest, printed up on the Climbing the Pocket website mock, where he mocked the entire first round. And we're going to go through that as if they were coming in as we were watching on ESPN or NFL Network or your favorite draft show of choice besides ours to see who selected. Are we ready to go, fellas? Yes. We're ready. Ready to roll. Let's do this. All right. So <clears throat> with the first pick in Tyler Forness's mock draft, surprise, surprise, the Jacksonville Jaguars select Trevor Lawrence. All right. What do we think of this pick, Tyler? I think it's a, a slam dunk home run. Uh, when you talk about Trevor Lawrence, you talk about him being legitimately good to elite at absolutely everything. Uh, he's got a fantastic arm. He throws with uh, great precision, uh, poison the pocket. He is able to uh, make all the NFL throws. Now, we're not just talking like posts, goes. We're talking that 20-yard deep out, those corner routes that you got to fit in in between the corner and the safety in a cover two look. He does everything, and he's a fantastic runner. Like When you look at the quarterbacks in this class, he may be the best runner of all of them. And that's saying something considering you have Trey Lance, Justin Fields uh, as well in this class. It's He's the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. There's a potential that he's the best quarterback prospect ever. Like We're talking above John Elway level. Trevor Lawrence is the absolute complete package. Uh, and... If you don't take him, you better be right because you're going to have to explain to your fan base and your ownership why you did not take Trevor Lawrence at number one. Unless, of course, it was your ownership that dictated not taking Trevor Lawrence, which has happened. It, it has happened before, but if you work for that kind of ownership, maybe you should find a new job. <laughs> so as uh, Kevin Costner famously said in draft day, there's, there's always something, right? Elway had too strong of an arm. Montana didn't have strong – he was too small, right? What, what's Trevor Lawrence's something? 
Well, I one of the the tough parts is his two losses as a collegiate starter were in the college football playoff against the best competition. Yeah, he lost the last year in the uh, title game to LSU, and LSU was considered a top five college football team to ever play. And you could just tell that Lawrence just got beat up. And he didn't play bad, but he wasn't able to take his team to that next level. And this year, uh, if you've watched Justin Fields' tape, what he did to that Clemson defense was surgical, it was filthy, and it was some of the best tape you'll ever see. (laughs) And uh, Lawrence played a really good game, threw for 400 yards and four touchdowns, but at the end, end of the day, he didn't get the job done. And I think that's the biggest argument you could say against Trevor Lawrence is he, he struggled on that big stage. Sure. Absolutely. Well, he did win a national championship as a freshman. So I think he, some of those, uh, some of those theories can be debunked a little bit, but, and he got to the big stage, what, three out of three or three out of the four years. So, uh, uh, the only year, oh, was it? Yes, that's right. Three out of three. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, so fantastic. Uh, And with that, we do have our next pick in. Uh, New York Jets are on the clock, and they select Justin Fields. Bit of a surprise here. A lot of people thought they were going to go Zach Wilson. So, uh, you know, what are your thoughts here on Justin Fields, number two overall pick? One of the things that a lot of people uh, may not know about Justin Fields is coming in in that recruiting class in 2018. Justin Fields was the 1B to Trevor Lawrence's 1A. You look at different recruiting platforms, and Fields was above Lawrence. Like Fields is a fantastic prospect. He had some struggles, but I think a lot of the things that he's been criticized throughout the media have been a little overblown. He's not bad at reading coverages. One of the tough parts about the Ohio State offense is that you have to hold your read for a while because plays take a long time to develop, and people translate to, oh, he's, he's not good at reading coverages. I honestly think some of it is just some deep-rooted uh, football racism. you know. And I don't want to necessarily throw accusations at specific people because, look, like we've all grown up in the same kind of eras. But that Justin Fields uh, keeps getting compared to like Jameis Winston and stuff. And it's just lazy, and you can just tell that there's some deep-rooted issues with how they're uh, evaluating this player. At the end of the day, he's a fantastic prospect. He can throw a beautiful football. He's got great running ability. Uh, he's got grit. Yeah, and he's he's able to throw the ball accurately with touch and with power. He's got everything that you could want in an NFL quarterback. And he's has a lot higher football IQ than some want to give him credit for. Justin Fields at two. I don't know if it's necessarily a slam dunk. We got Viking Jerome in the comments talking about how it should be Zach Wilson. If it is, I won't be surprised. Zach Wilson plays the game like Patrick Mahomes. I don't think he's Patrick Mahomes, but when you look at them play, it is really hard to not make that comparison just because of how Zach Wilson moves. He throws off platform and does all these things. Um, I think Justin Fields is probably going to end up my QB three. I think at the end of the day, I'm still going to have Trey Lance as my QB two because of everything that Lance projects and how well he played last year. And the fact that he turned it over once, his first quarter of football, he fumbled. He didn't turn it over again in the the other 15 games he played in in 2019. Like, I love Trey Lance, but those evaluations will be coming. And I think Justin Fields is a humongous win 
uh, for the New York Jets and continuing to reshape that roster and mentality in New Jersey. Now, what I so, see for uh, Lance going to New York, out of all the QB prospects, is that he since he was at Ohio State, right, who take their football very seriously, going into New York, which is the biggest TV market out there, and has the uh, they're brutal when it comes to reporting on their teams. I think mm-hmm. because he has the background of being at Ohio State, he has the best ability to do that. Zach Wilson, I could agree with Jerome, maybe better, but I don't know how Zach Wilson, coming from Utah, and the good people of Utah are suddenly going to take that huge culture change of being in New York. I like your pick of uh, of putting fields at New York. For that and if you want to take Wilson, that's fine. I think the only way you make that distinction, Dave, is if you think, one, that handling, being able to handle the media is going to be debilitating to the on-field play, or two, you have them graded equally, but Fields, is you believe, is going to be better at handling the media. I don't think it should be a, a big focus at all throughout the evaluation process. Do you think the player is going to take it? But I do think it's something to at least consider, which I, I appreciate you bringing the point up because the New York media, uh, especially with the Jets, the Jets fan base is incredibly passionate. And they have diehards that have been with the with the team for decades and they've seen Rich Kotite, Rex Ryan, Adam Gase. They've seen some shit. Mm-hmm. And they yeah, deserve and they've been there it. since Joe Willie Namath. So yep. it's 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 a long history. Absolutely. But I hear the third pick is in. Ryan, who do we got? Yeah, well, it looks like there was a trade that just happened and the pick's already in. So Miami gives up, or I'm sorry, Miami trades back with Carolina Panthers. They give, uh, or, you know, Carolina trades to get to number three. They give up eight, 72, and a 2022 first round pick. And they traded up for surprise, surprise, Trey Lance. Thoughts? Look, I, I said it earlier, I absolutely love Trey Lance. What he's able to do in the passing game, in the running game, uh, he is more football-ready than people want to give him credit for. He's able to go through progressions. But he's going to fit great in a wide zone scheme, which is, I believe is preferable. But I think in Joe Brady's uh, offense, where it's going to be a lot of short passes, a lot of uh, understanding spacing, I think uh, Lance is ready for it. And when you talk about a guy who is going to be able to learn from Teddy Bridgewater, who they don't necessarily play the most similar game, but Bridgewater is a fantastic, accurate quarterback. He's got touch, and he's going to be able to help Trey Lance with a lot of the football IQ and nuance stuff as far as adjusting to the pro game. I think it's a match made in heaven for Carolina, and they have spent so much time trying to rebuild the defense. They finally have that franchise quarterback. And I think they're set up to be really good for a long time. Yeah, I love this pick here, Trey Lance. I also have <clears throat> as my QB2 as of right now. And uh, and again, like you had mentioned, it's solely off of projection. Um, and going back to kind of your um, football racism comment that you had mentioned, 
a lot of it, it's I think it's funny that every analyst basically compares a white quarterback with a white quarterback and a black quarterback with a black quarterback. It's rarely intermixed that way, right? And my biggest comp for Trey Lance actually is Josh Allen. I think that they're both, you know, Josh Allen was a bigger quarterback, but a little bit more raw than maybe you'd like to see coming out. Some question question on deep ball accuracy, rocket arms, can run the ball well, and they're not finesse runners. They're bulldozer runners. They're going to go and knock you in your teeth. So I love that comparison because it's the super high upside. Now, can you get him to get to that next level that Josh Allen did? And now there's some quarterbacks that didn't like a Jamarcus Russell or what have you. Right. So I, I like that comparison. And, but I do find it funny that you called that out earlier. I was going to mention it, but we had to get to our next pick that I feel like there is that, uh, and you know, it, I don't think it's on purpose, but I just think inherently it just happens. Uh, but I, I'm going off the rocker there and saying, you know, he actually compares more favorably to what I say is Trey Lance, uh, Trey Lance is a, uh, with Josh Allen and maybe a little Steve McNair, little Steve McNair in there too. Um, but yeah, I love one the pick. Comp, one comp that I really like, uh, and then we'll kind of move on. Um, Nevada, Colin Kaepernick. I see a lot of Colin Kaepernick in his game. We're talking Pete Colin Kaepernick, where he was just absolutely debilitating teams with his running and passing ability. Like, Peak era Colin Kaepernick is what I, I think Trey Lance can be. And if he gets to that level, watch out because this is the absolute perfect time for a quarterback like that to thrive in the National Football League. I think he can be better than that. Um, uh, what I, I think s- he can too, but I, if he gets there, it's an absolute home run. Well, Kaepernick made it to the yeah. Super Bowl. Now, what and, you said is that he's a field-ready quarterback. And I agree with you. Carolina's other choice will probably be on the uh, commissioner's exempt list. And the trade obviously didn't get made for Deshaun Watson. This, to me, is the next best step that they could take. I agree. And it's really tough to be a Houston Texans fan. Because if these allegations have any merit whatsoever... And just by kind of reading all the ones that have been filed, it feels like they do because it all it all is the same general thing. It's if he gets a massage, he tries to, to get her to do some things to him sexually that she declines. He gets upset, and it's it's just, it's a pattern. So it a lot of times the people will say where there's smoke, there's fire. Um, it feels like that's the case here. I really hope it's not because you don't ever want to think somebody that you viewed so highly to be this kind of bad person. And you don't want these kind of things happening to anybody. So uh, whatever the truth is, I hope it comes out quickly and we resolve it in whatever way it needs to be. And then these people who were negatively affected in any possible way that can hopefully move on with a more positive outlook because that's what's important it's not about football the court system absolutely will take its time and i fully expect to see him on the commissioner's exempt list this season but we'll see who knows see all right well with with that uh being said here we do have our fourth pick in we are at the atlanta falcons and uh we have the top playmaking arguably the top playmaking offensive weapon off the board in Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. 
Tyler, I know you're a big Florida fan. You're a big Pitts guy. Talk to me about it. Do you like this fit? I love this fit. And honestly, if your offense can't fit Kyle Pitts, you need to fire your offensive coordinator. He is a true unicorn. He can do literally everything across the board. He can play inline. He can play H-back. He can split out. He can be an X receiver. Kyle Pitts is an absolute dynamite playmaker. And some of the concerns I have with Jamar Chase, and we'll get to him down the line in this mock draft, is Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts play a very similar game. Neither of them is an incredible athlete, uh, and they both use their bodies incredibly well to create space and separation. The difference with Kyle Pitts and Jamar Chase is Pitts is 6'6", and he's got long arms, and he's able to catch the ball more easily away from his body. And he's going to go up against safeties and linebackers more often than cornerback ones. And that, for me, Pitts, is he's, that he keeps getting comped to Megatron. He's not the athlete Megatron is. And he's not this absolutely imposing presence. But the way he catches the ball in the air, utilizes body control, uh, those things are relatively similar to Megatron. And I think some of that comparison is very fair. Kyle Pitts, if he is anywhere close to the Minnesota Vikings, I am pounding the table to trade up for him because it would make a wide receiver three. One, you wouldn't need it nearly as much because you have your wide receiver three in a combination of Pitts and Herb Smith Jr. with their ability to flank out, uh, utilize them in line in the backfield, to be super creative. And one of the things that really intrigues me with Pitts is something that we saw more and more from Rudolph as he uh, played with the Minnesota Vikings over his tenure. He became a much better blocker. When he came out of college, he wasn't a good blocking tight end. Kyle Pitts is a very good blocking tight end. He doesn't get the credit he deserves in that front. He was beating edge rushers. He Once he had his anchor established, he was dominating players. And I don't think you're going to expect him to beat guys like Khalil Mack and Daniil Hunter. But if he can lose slowly, where it's just enough before the, and then the running back gets passed in, you have yourselves a fantastic prospect. I wish Kyle Pitts is going to play at Florida one more year but they're going to be fine at tight end. Kyle Pitts is the best tight end prospect since Vernon Davis, who was an absolute freak athlete, went number six to the San Francisco 49ers. And I think that this is a worthy selection at number four. Tight end isn't necessarily a position you prioritize, but he's not a tight end. He's a unicorn. He can do literally everything on the inside and outside for your team catching the football. Absolutely. And uh, I think he eased even one of the concerns that was uh, what I was hearing about him uh, in, in draft Twitter was, you know, does he have the speed that we are looking for? And he answered all those questions today. I think ran a four, four, six, I want to say, and Tyler, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, four, he did four, four, six. Love it. You know? And, and so again, that, that just eases though. And again, when I say concern, I don't mean people are like, okay, we can't, you know, this guy is not a first round pick. If he runs a four six more, more or less saying, Hey, you can flank him out to any receiver spot slot X, whatever you want to do. And he's going to be able to perform. And I love, I love your take on if he's anywhere near the Vikings um, being able to run a, that 12 personnel and, create those mismatches for those, um, you know, between Herb and and Pitts would be just be phenomenal to be able to do that. So I love it. Dave, any, any comments here before we get to our next pick? It's already in. Hey, he's a tight end. I love tight ends. It's the position I played. One of the positions I played, I ended up, I love tight ends. 
Uh, the only Love thing it. I worry about is that he develops into the inline to be 100% complete tight end. But you're looking at him as a receiving tight end first in your system, blocking tight end second. That can develop. And he's a capable blocker already. He was he was dominating edge rushers in the SEC. Now, we're not talking like top-tier NFL edge rushers, and you're not going to expect him to beat those guys. But if he can lose slowly, I think he easily can. And then that's a big win for this run-blocking offense. Well, it's that, and how quick can he get to the second level? One of the jobs of the tight end is not only do they always take on a defensive end, a lot of times they will help the tackle on the inside on that defensive end and then uh, bounce off and head to the linebacker and try to seal off a corner. Say if you're running outside, they're going to do that, and I would like to see him do that. I'd like to see any tight end do that effectively and once you've got that you know you're not talking Jimmy Kleinsaucer that can blow up a defensive end you're talking somebody that can help chip and then blow up that linebacker who's just turning around and suddenly he's got a tight end in his face that's what I love to see absolutely 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 and again quick thank you to our viewers here uh, at home listening and watching in please comment and we'll try to get to those comments as, as we see them uh not, next up is cincinnati Bengals, and joe burrow gets a elite prime uh you know left tackle here uh and joe mixon might actually finally have some a decent line to work off of to show that talent uh they take penne sewell um out of oregon offensive tackle Tyler, I, I haven't gotten to you know much of his uh, tape, obviously, just because I didn't ever expect him to be anywhere near Vikings territory here. Um, tell me, what, what what do you love about him? What are maybe some concerns? Nothing. Sewell doesn't have any concerns for me. He could uh, stand to improve a little bit with his hand placement. Uh, and footwork can be a tad rough at times. But the guy at 18 years old and 290 pounds was dominating in the Pac-12. He is the best offensive lineman I've ever evaluated. He is the number one non-quarterback prospect on my board, and that will not change. Penny Sewell is a franchise left tackle. Uh, if you want to keep Jonah Williams at left tackle, make him your right tackle. You've got guys like uh, um, Daniel Hunter who play only on that side anyways. The right tackle is becoming just as important as left. So Penny Sewell is a plug-and-play starter, and I think he can be an all-pro by year three. He's that good. GMG's own Drew Bunting, who does draft scouting every season, has said this is the safest pick in the draft. The guy will be a beast. Mm-hmm. Can't lose. Love it. Yep. And we had a quick, we had a quick pick here. Philadelphia Eagles are in. They... Uh, are going with the projected top wide receiver in the market. I know Tyler, he's not your top receiver, but projected top receiver in the market here or in the draft here, Jamar Chase getting Jalen Hurts a, a viable weapon on the outside here. All right. So I know you're not the biggest fan of Chase, Tyler. Again, I, not to say you don't like him, but you just are a little lower on him than most draft Twitter. Um, Okay, what what are some of those concerns that you have with him, and and what what do you think he can bring to this Eagles offense? I think the reason why the Eagles are picking him over Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddles because he's a great complement to what they drafted last year in Jalen Rager. 
Uh, you have Rager, who's your true burner, and you're going to have Jamar Chase, who's going to play your ex. Uh, Chase is a physical machine. He brutalizes corners, and he's a bully. So he, he gets his separ- separation mainly from physicality and also from uh, like body positioning, and he just, he just beats up corners. Jamar Chase had one of the most productive seasons ever in the SEC. 20 touchdowns, 1,900 yards in 2019. Sat out last year, 2020. And I just I worry about the fact that he doesn't have a true dominant athletic trait, which is why I'm a little lower on him. Uh, my rewatch, uh, I watched him this summer, and then I watched him again. And I, it just, I was just kind of let down, I guess. Because he's got all this hype, and I'm just like, I'm just not seeing it like everybody else. And uh, if there's one thing you guys know about me, I am not gonna let other people just influence my opinions. I, when I say something, I say it with conviction. I think Jamar Chase could easily prove me wrong, but I also think he could easily prove me right. I have him as my wide receiver five, late first round grade. Um, I have some people who I deeply respect have him in the second round. So there are people out there who I think are better than me at this, have him lower than I do. So Jamar Chase at this point, I think is the best fit for what the Eagles are looking for at the wide receiver position, considering what they have on their roster. And I think teams are going to see Chase, Smith, and Waddle. Um, They're going to be interchangeable as that wide receiver one. So kind of based on what NFL circles I project to view, I think this is a good move and a value move as well, which the Eagles desperately need and they crave with their analytics-based front office. Very good, very good. Well, we got another pick in, and we'll probably start rolling through these a little bit quicker now that we're you know, going on, on 40 minutes here. Um, San Francisco 49ers trade up. There is a prominent quarterback on the board, uh, Zach Wilson, and that's who they trade up for, giving up uh, <clears throat> Detroit uh, moves back. Uh, gives up their their seventh pick as well as their 154 to San Francisco for 12, uh, their second rounder in 2021 and 2022 second rounder. Zach Wilson, potential, you know, top two quarterback in this draft, sliding down to seven to the San Francisco 49ers. They get their quarterback of the future, um, quarterback that potentially fits their scheme extremely well, just given what uh, Kyle Shanahan likes to do uh, in in that offense. What do you think of this trade for the Niners? Look, if the Niners uh, were 100% healthy last year and they had an upgraded quarterback, I think they're making another Super Bowl run. They got hit harder than anybody in NFL history based on cap dollars lost. Uh, throughout the entire 2020 season. And yet you lose Nick Bosa, you lose Solomon Thomas, you're talking Jimmy Garoppolo, they're wide receivers. They were just losing everybody. And it was really unfortunate for them to have to kind of take that kind of tumble. Uh, but I think with what they have coming back, what Kyle Shanahan's able to do, and they get that improvement at the quarterback position, which they get here with Zach Wilson, he's going to take some time to adjust. But with that running game, I don't think it matters so much. The the system itself is very quarterback friendly. And as we saw with Aaron Rodgers this past year, quarterback friendly with a great quarterback is a really good thing. So I, I think uh, Zach Wilson could easily end up being the best or second best quarterback in this class. In this simulation, he goes fourth off the board, but I don't think that should take away anything for how talented this player is. Uh, he is, he's incredible throwing the football. 
one thing that worries me about Zach Wilson is last year, he's what I call fun bad. He was incredibly fun to watch and he makes those wild throws, but at the same time, he was very inconsistent and that really scared me a little bit. So Zach Wilson to the Niners is kind of a match made in heaven. And if it happens, the whole league should be worried about Kyle Shanahan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Miami Dolphins pick is in. Uh, they traded back from three to eight, uh, allowing the Carolina Panthers to move up to get Trey Lance. And they get a top playmaker. My number one wide receiver in the draft here, Jalen Waddle. All right. Yep, so what is what what can we expect out of Waddle reuniting back with Tua? Although Waddle did say he preferred Mac Jones over Tua. Uh, is there going to be any bad blood there? I don't think there will be bad blood. And I think one of the things you're going to like with Jalen Waddle, who is also my undisputed wide receiver one. And a lot of people make comps to Tyreek Hill, and they're just lazy. Every fast guy is not Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle is Tyreek Hill. The way he plays the game, the way he's sudden, and he can just uh, run with track speed, stop on a dime. Jalen Waddle plays the game like Tyreek Hill. And this is a comp that actually fits and Having Tyreek Hill, as we see with the Kansas City Chiefs, is incredibly dangerous and effective. And I think that with Miami and the big guys that they already have on the outside, adding the speed of Jalen Waddle is going to change the dynamic of that offense. So Jalen Waddle at eight, and the Dolphins get a third and a first-round pick next year. They continue to use the analytic style of continuing to build more and more assets. And they take a guy they probably would have taken at three anyway in Jalen Waddle. And you get an extra first out of it. That's a big win. Great GMs keep winning with uh, that mentality. I love to see it. So I wish it was our team, but you know, who knows? Maybe Rick will pull something off here. Uh, we're at number nine, Denver Broncos. Kind of a semi-surprise pick here. They go linebacker Micah Parsons out of Penn State. Explain to me why Parsons is going over here over, you know, a lot of mock draft uh, draft Knicks have a cornerback going there. Um, and, and obviously quarterback, all the top three quarterbacks are gone. Uh, so, or top four quarterbacks. So, I mean, you, you can maybe look at Mac Jones here, but obviously a little early for my liking, but we got Micah Parsons, elite linebacker. What do you got here, Tyler? So here's the thing with Micah Parsons that you have to vet the um, hazing allegations that uh, were pressed against him this past summer. Like we're talking, like he was taking out his penis and rubbing it against freshmen. Like, like we're talking some pretty weird and gross stuff. So if you vet him and all that comes out where you're comfortable with making the pick, Micah Parsons is a fantastic football player. And with the way Vic Fangio used Roquan Smith in that defense, I think he's going to be able to slide in there. You can use him off the edge if you need to, uh, maybe to spell like Bradley Chubb, Von Miller. He's a great blitzer. And he's an on-ball linebacker where I believe he fits in best in the National Football League. So Micah Parsons kind of fills that hole in the middle. They already got Kendall Fuller, Ronald, uh, Ronald Darby, um, in sorry, Kyle Fuller and Ronald Darby in free agency to kind of shore up that cornerback room. Uh, they have the, the guy in the slot. And then Amuji is going to be a fantastic CB4. Justin Simmons is going to stay with the team long term. They already invested a ton in the offensive side of the ball. They've got like multiple day one and two picks at receiver and tight end. Drew Locke, I still have hope for, and I think I may be the only one. Uh, but he's only started 16 games, and he's been injured. Like we, I don't think we've seen everything from Drew Locke yet. So Micah Parsons, the pick here, and I think it really solidifies the interior of that defense. 
Well, I like. Yeah, what- I say you. I say you keep Drew Lock one more year. Sorry, David, to cut you off here. Uh, I say keep Drew Lock one more year. See what you got. I mean, and, and this is me being biased because that dude's just fun to watch on the sidelines, rapping along with music and stuff. It, I, you just kind of have to like that swagger a little bit. And plus, he's clearly talented. Let's see if he can put it together. Like you said, he's only played sixteen, started uh, sixteen NFL games. I think that you know there's still some potential there for him to to really show what he's got. And and again, it's not like you have a better option. Maybe if Trey Lance is here, um, you know, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, what have you, are sitting here, yeah, obviously you maybe take a chance there. But, you know, Mac Jones, I don't know if he's going to give you much more than what Drew Locke's giving you right now. And uh, you can use this high pick for, again, clearly a talented linebacker here. What do you think, David? Um, Well, I could tell you, living in Denver, George Patton coming in and what he's done so far has this town excited. They love their football. I think this would be a good move. And it's sort of reminiscent to me of, you know, when Zim came in, his first pick was a linebacker. This looks to be Peyton's first pick to be a linebacker. And I agree with Tyler on how he will be used. It's a good one. Perfect. Now, uh, with the 10th pick here, we have the Dallas Cowboys. We are going to ensure fans know that this mock draft was put out um earlier this week before some of these uh, some news has come out obviously some signings have happened so uh, bear, uh keep that in mind dallas cowboys take um relatively consensus number one overall cornerback caleb farley again it has been known now that he's um un- his undergoing surgery uh a back issue that's popped up so um obviously i, I think that people are saying that it's not going to be a long-term thing but there are some concerns with uh back in 2019 having a back injury now coming back up here again uh clearly talented only played the position two years uh and has just shown amazing strides a- as a top corner here Tyler, Dallas Cowboys get a much-needed cornerback into to help solidify a little bit in that secondary. Absolutely, and the Cowboys desperately need good cornerback play. Um, and I love Caleb Farley. I think he has a Darrell Rivas-type ceiling. I don't know if he ever reaches that, but I think with his skill set and how the Vikings – or sorry, not the Vikings um, – how Farley has grown in only two years in the position, I think his ceiling is astronomical. Now, the back injury – it's concerning. Uh, the fact that he's having surgery now when he's had a whole year off is a little bit of a red flag. If you talk to him, you look at the medicals and you're comfortable with it, I think that the value is still here. I expect him to fall into the mid-late round one range. Uh, and if I were to change things now, I'd probably give them Patrick Sertan the second, who is, look, let's be honest, Patrick, there's nothing special about him, but he does everything just really well. So... Caleb Farley to the Cowboys, I think still could happen, but it's looking a lot less likely now. But he's still my cornerback one. Absolutely, absolutely. New York Giants, again, let's keep in mind this this mock draft was put out a a little about a week ago. Um, New York Giants select Devonta Smith, current reigning Heisman winner. Uh, They just uh, grabbed Kenny Galladay. Sterling Shepard just signed a big contract a year year ago or now two years ago. Um, you got Darius Slayton, but what, what does Devontae Smith give uh, this this offense that uh, might be missing? He just gets open, man. He gets open underneath. He gets open deep, and he's an incredibly savvy and smooth route runner. The big issue with Devontae Smith, as we talked about, is the weight. How is that going to translate to the National Football League? Is he going to be able to handle physicality? 
He's going to be able to handle press coverage with guys who are like 215 pounds. Think Pete Xavier Rose. How is he handling that? Is he going to be able to actually get off of the line of scrimmage without just getting bullied? Like Those are things that really concern me about him translating, considering where you're drafting him. 170 pounds for wide receiver, who is not an outright burner, is an incredible anomaly. So will he... Will he buck the trend? I don't know. I really don't. Um, I, I'll tell you this. I would be really worried about using my first-round pick if I'm a general manager on him. But obviously, when you watch him play, the talent's there. He is an incredibly talented football player. He's got great body control in the air, and he's just an incredibly smooth, calculated route runner with strong hands. Like, you love all those things as an evaluator. But the weight and play style it is still concerning as far as how it translates. Um it, right now for the Giants, I would probably go offensive line for them if if we were kind of starting over. Offensive line or edge probably be the two places I look. But they're obviously doing everything they can to uh, make sure Daniel Jones has zero excuses and he can be as successful as possible at the, at this level of football. So I like what Dave Gettleman is trying to accomplish. They're trying to make a real run right now because they're at the very end of that rookie contract window. And if they're going to make a run, it's going to be this year. And I'm excited to see what the Giants' uh, output looks like. Absolutely. And you had mentioned you'd probably go offensive line now, knowing what you know. Stan Jones had mentioned they might go offensive line corner. They did uh, sign a deal for Adderay Jackson today. Um, I think he got 13 mil over three, or, you know, 13 mil uh, average uh, for three years. So 39 mil overall. So, um, yeah, so offensive line does look like that might be the direction they go. We'll see. Um, all right. So we are with our next pick here. And it's a pick that was traded back. So Detroit Lions. Um, and they go corner two backs or two years in a row. Uh, would take Patrick Sertan the second. So honestly, they maybe didn't see enough out of Okuda last year and uh, they want to maybe double up and they did lose Desmond Trufant this year. So uh, yeah, explain yourself, Tyler. I think at the end of the day, you just need to get good football players on this team. And with what the Lions needs are, I don't think those uh, needs lined up really well as far as how the board sat. So I just gave them the best available football player. They still need cornerback help. Patrick Sertan is an excellent football player. He's going to transition very well to the next level, and he's just going to be just a really good football player. I don't think the selection of Jeff Okuda has any bearing on me making this pick and how he had struggles last year. Corner is a hard position to translate to the NFL right away. The farther away you are from the football, the harder it is to play uh, really good football right away. I think um, you just need to take time with this team, get good football players, and that's what they do here at Patrick Sertan. Yeah, I think the Lions are in a rebuild process. That's going to take a few years, and getting good players is going to help that. And as we all know, you can never have enough corners. Absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. So we have the Los Angeles Chargers coming in, and I'm very upset. They take my boy that I want here at 14, Christian Derisov, offensive tackle, Virginia Tech. Um, Love Derisov's fit with our team. I uh, was hoping that he would last to us. Tyler, what, what are the Chargers getting that we're missing out on here? I, I think what they're getting is a plug-and-play left tackle. Christian Derrissaw is probably going to end up my offensive tackle, too, in this class. I absolutely love his game. He's, he's got a really powerful punch. And he has he has this thing where he doesn't adjust nearly as much as he should um, throughout the course of the game. He's just kind of – it's almost like a cocky attitude 
where he's like, oh, I'll just play this guy. Oh, crap, this guy's really fast. And then he, he figures it out over time that he needs to adjust rather than, like, hey, it's just an initial thing. But he carries up to the second level really well. And he's a very capable pass blocker and a dominating run blocker. I think when you have Justin Herbert, get him some protection. They've done a really good job trying to build that protection. And Christian Dersaw is just another piece of the puzzle. Protect Justin Herbert, and he's got weapons already on the outside. That defense, if it finally stays healthy, can be really, really good with Brandon Staley. I This Chargers team could make a real run next year. My question is, why didn't Rick see this coming and move up at least one spot to grab his offensive tackle? Because there's more out there, Dave. Uh, we're, if it was the level of Penny Sewell, I would move up for him. They, obviously, <laughs> the Vikings tried to move up last year for Tristan Wirfs is what the rumor was. And Tristan Wirfs, we saw he was an all-pro as a rookie. That does not happen often. He was my offensive tackle one last year, and I absolutely loved him. But the level of Christian Derrissaw to what, who my next two offensive tackles are, and Tevin Jenkins and Samuel Cosme, is not enough of a drop to really make a jump up. I think those two are also comparable players, and I would stay put. Well, the Vikings are on the clock. What are they going to do, Ryan? I have to, I have them trading. Uh, I We got a great offer from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we got our second round pick back, moved back to 24. And this is a comparable move to what we saw from the Steelers three years ago. They moved from 20 to 10 and gave up pick 20, a third round pick in that draft, and a second round pick the next year. Because we're talking about moving up 10 spots, but four picks later, we got rid of the third round pick, and it's just a first and a second. Absolutely. So they, uh, again, we're going to run through a couple of these relatively quickly. They go edge um, out of Georgia. Tyler, can you help me with the name here? I know you're way better with names than I am. Aziz Ojolari. This guy screams Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, he's a very physical pass rush. He's got a great get up off the ball. Kind of a one-trick pony as far as how he rushes the passer. But he's playing opposite TJ Watt. He's going to be afforded the ability to learn on the fly. And Bud Dupree had his best success opposite TJ Watt because obviously TJ is going to draw a lot of that double team action. So with Cam Hayward, Stephon Tuitt on the inside, you're going to give Aziz Ojolari time to learn. And he is, he just, he screams Pittsburgh Steeler to me, which is why I made the selection. And they have a genuine need. Absolutely. Absolutely. New England Patriots, after uh, paying Cam Newton on another one-year deal, they go and sign Mac Jones, Alabama. What are, what are they getting out of Mac Jones? Look, they're getting Kirk Cousins. And I, I, I cannot remember for the life of me who said it first. And I want to give them credit for it because it made so much sense. I think it might have been Eric Eager, PFF Eric, uh, a good friend of the network. Kirk Cousins at $10 million is a great value. And it's it makes team building really easy. Kirk Cousins at thirty million dollars is debilitating for roster construction and really hard to win. And I think when you're talking about what the New England Patriots are looking like, they don't necessarily need a dominant quarterback. They need everything around them, and they have everything around them. Get a good quarterback in place, somebody that you can continue to build around the quarterback, which is what they have wanted to do anyways. They were just lucky enough to have Tom Brady, who was willing to take pretty team-friendly deals for two decades. And I think that Mac Jones can be a very capable NFL quarterback. His ceiling is just going to be a lot lower than the other guys we talked about. 
Sure, absolutely. Arizona Cardinals, go ahead and take my cornerback one off the board here, J.C. Horn, South Carolina. Uh, I, I've been comparing him a little bit to, um, you know, I, from a mentality play mentality standpoint, is Jair Alexander more of a dog? Uh, obviously, a little bit different play style, a little bigger, probably a little bit more physical. You know, what they're replacing Patrick Peterson, who now is a Minnesota Viking. So, what what are they getting out of J.C. Horn in a, in a few words here? J.C. Horn is feisty. Uh, he plays with the same kind of swag, just like his dad did, and. I think that he is, if you want to watch really good J.C. Horn film, you got to watch him against Kyle Pitts. you got to watch him against Auburn and Seth Williams. He played some really good football and showed why he can translate to the next level. He's got some inconsistencies to clear up, but he's got great ball skills. He's able to mirror receivers pretty well, stay in the hip pocket, and he just he plays with a nasty attitude, just like his dad Joe did. And I love this player. Uh, I would be very happy if he ended up on, on our Minnesota Vikings. But J.C. Horn to the Arizona Cardinals just makes sense. They need the position, and it's a great value and fit. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the pick. Um, Los Angeles Raiders let go of pretty much their whole offensive line this offseason, or traded away, I should say, um, and they go and start replacing it. So uh, right, li- likely right tackle Tevin Jenkins, Oklahoma State. I, uh, I, 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 have a, I have a hard time with him because I saw my boy Ronnie Perkins just destroy him uh, this last year in the Bedling game. Of course, I have to mention something Oklahoma every broadcast here. Um, <laughs> tell me what Tevin Jenkins does well because I can tell you what he doesn't. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, he got injured in the first quarter of that game, and, and Ronnie Perkins owned him on a few snaps. There's really no arguing that. Ronnie Perkins had an absolutely fantastic game. That morning, he woke up and shows violence, and it showed throughout the entire course of Bedlam. But when you watch Tevin Jenkins' overall film, he is a mauler. Hey, if he gets his hands on you, you're done. He does a fantastic job of staying square to the defender. Once once that punch hits, it's just power. It's it's like a Muhammad Ali right hook. It just just nasty stuff. And he is he's a fantastic athlete. He was doing 48 inch box jumps the other day. And I, I shared that clip on Twitter, and I was just like, wow, this guy's a much better athlete than he showed on tape. I, I think you can – his best play may be guard long-term, but it, he, they're going to run a man-gap power scheme in uh, Las Vegas with the Raiders, and I think he can easily be that right tackle. Either way, you're getting a really good offensive lineman that translates very well for your scheme, and you got to get guys in the building. Uh, Tevin Jenkins, uh, plus he's a senior. Mike Mayak prioritizes it. Uh Tevin Jenkins to the Raiders. Yeah, I, I like Viking Jerome here saying they're going to go punter. I mean, it does sound like something they might do. Um, all right, we got Miami Dolphins with their second pick in the first round here, getting um, you know what some believe is the second best offensive lineman in the draft class, Rashawn Slater, Northwestern. All right, and I know Tyler, you're a little bit on the same lines of me here. Good left tackle or right tackle, elite guard. Tell me more about that. Um, somebody I really respect, uh, uh, Jordan Reed's colleague at the draft network, Kyle Krabs, thinks he's best as a center. And once I heard that, I couldn't stop hearing it because his athleticism is just through the roof. It's like uh, watching him um, climb to the second level is like watching an old Looney Tunes cartoon where Wiley Coyote shoves himself into a cannon to fire at Roadrunner. Like that's what you're getting with Rashawn Slater, just incredible athleticism. One of the drawbacks is 
because he's that great athlete and he explodes so much off the blocks, he kind of uh, makes himself prone to inside moves and he over pursues angles. So he's got to clean that up at the next level. And the nice part about the flexibility with what the Miami Dolphins have, they drafted Robert Hunt last year, who, who was uh, projected to be more of a guard, and he played tackle last year. I think with Slater and the flexibility there, you could make that right side uh, whatever combination you want, whether it's Slater on the inside or on the outside, punch filling in the other spot, and protect Tua. Uh, because they have two first-round picks and he gives you that tackle flexibility, I'm more comfortable taking a guard here than I would normal. normally. If Hunt was only a guard, then I'd probably go tackle. But you have flexibility with both those players. Utilize it. Perfect, perfect. Well, Washington football team decides to beef up their front seven here. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa? I think I did. Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Yep. Yes, yeah, all right. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. All right, so uh, one of the interesting things about the Washington football team, that defense is stacked. They've got good corner play. They replaced Ronald Darby with William Jackson the third. They've got Landon Collins at safety. Carmen Curl uh, played pretty well. Uh, they have the best defensive line in football, even with losing Ryan Kerrigan. But linebacker is a little suspect. Uh, Jeremiah Wusukoromara is going to play more of an overhang, where he's going to be like a safety linebacker hybrid. Kind of think that similar. He's going to do similar things to what Tyron Mathow does but he's going to play a little more of that linebacker role rather than a safety. I think he provides that second-level defender that Washington desperately needs, and it's going to give them the ability to not only play great football on the defensive side, but it's going to make them the most complete defense in the National Football League. You could talk about moving up for quarterback. They have that stopgap in Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, and they also it feels like they have enough weapons on the outside. They have a running game with Antonio Gibson. I think that this is probably their best move considering what's on the board. I would not hate Rashad Bateman here. I would love it. I think it would be a fantastic fit. But I went with Jeremiah Wusukoromora because I think it, it makes that defense that the best in the National Football League. Hold on Absolutely a second, everybody. Is. What was that noise coming across? I'm hearing it. I'm hearing it as well, but I am not sure. Okay. Um, first, I want to address Donnie. Donnie's asking where Flip is. Since we are doing a mock of the live show, Donnie, that's all we're doing tonight. Flip will be here as one of the Climbing the Pocket regulars during our live broadcasts. And you will get his inputs, especially once we get to that Vikings pick. And you will get to see it. It should be interesting. I'd love for his input tonight because I know what they're going to do. But moving on, Ryan, our next pick. Well, speaking of Rashad Bateman, you said you'd love him at the Washington football team there at 19. Well, he goes to our heated rival here, Chicago Bears. And they definitely need a wide receiver. Allen Robinson might not be there. So I like this pick for them. Uh, What does he do extremely well? What doesn't he do extremely well? He's a fantastic route runner, great at getting the ball in the air, has very strong hands. That Rashad Bateman is a complete X receiver. And I think he's going to uh, – he kind of already did at the Exos Combine. He's going to continue to quiet uh, people that say he's not a high upside athlete or he's very fast. He, he plays – he's he doesn't burn, but he, he doesn't get caught in the open field. 
and I think I think that's something to really note. He's got a false step at the beginning of every single one of his releases that needs to be fixed, but it, it didn't even hinder him at Minnesota. So Rashad Bateman gives the Bears a much-needed weapon and hopefully relieves some pressure off Allen Robinson this year, and he can replace him full-time next year. Absolutely, absolutely. Indianapolis Colts. will be disappointed with that pick. Yep, I was too. Yeah, absolutely. Indianapolis Colts now on the board here. Go and take Samuel Cosme, uh, offensive tackle, Texas. I'm not as big on him as you are, Tyler. What, What are they getting out of this? Samuel Cosme is an incredibly high upside athlete. He needs to put on a little bit more power, but at the same time, Cosme dominated in the Big 12. Uh, he, uh, The way that Texas asked their tackles to play, they asked them to play incredibly patient and let edge defenders almost come up into their body. Now, he's got to be more aggressive in the, in the NFL. He's got to throw that first punch a lot of the time. But he anchored pretty well. He's a great athlete, moves well in space, and he's a force in the running game. And when you have a guy who has that kind of upside and you're going to put him next to big Quentin Nelson, I think you can't say no to it. Samuel Cosme, protect Carson Wentz. He needs that kind of protection if he's going to be successful uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. It just made too much sense. Uh, Stan, I just saw your comment. Is Cosme the type the Vikings like? Absolutely. Uh, if you follow uh, Kentley Platt, uh, who is at MathBomb on Twitter, he compiles an RAS score, which is a relative athletic score for uh, players at their position. Samuel Cosme got a 10 out of 10. He is an elite level athlete for the tackle position. I would love to have him on the Minnesota Vikings, and he is a, an absolute perfect scheme fit. But I'm not taking him for the scheme fit. I'm taking him because I love the player. Yeah, and I, I just don't agree. I just I, I've seen enough of him playing. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. You get your yeah, yeah. bias out of here. I, it's not a bias. I actually love Texas players. Big fan of Caden Stearns. I was a big on Colin Johnson last year. I mean, I, I like Texas. I like all my Big Twelve guys uh, when it, when it comes to you know fits for the Vikings. I'm just not as high on him as I think some others are, which is totally fine. I mean, there we don't all have to agree, and I think that uh, you know he's going to be able to provide a lot of athleticism for a team, and and hopefully he can um, develop into a great player because I never wish any ill will on any player um, coming into the league. These are all young talented men that I want all to be successful unless you're drafted by the Packers. So um, Tennessee Titans go and uh, take, uh, you know, former Viking favorite Christian Barmore. Uh, you know, I know a lot of Viking fans were big fans of him just because we did have a huge need at three tech and uh, Tennessee Titans to pick him up. Now here's the thing with Christian Barmore. He's not a finished product. He is a very high upside athlete that kept getting better over the course of last year. But at the end of the day, he really only played one season at Alabama as a starter. And you put him next to Jeffrey Simmons, and you have Harold Landry and Bud Dupree now on the outside, and you're talking about a line that can really penetrate and get pressure on the quarterback, and that's what Tennessee desperately needs. They need pressures and sacks. And Barmore is going to be afforded opportunities to see single teams, and I think that's going to be huge for him. He needs to play better with leverage, but he's incredibly explosive. And I think the fit just works really well. And Tennessee could really benefit from having that dominance on the inside. Absolutely, absolutely. New York Jets with their second pick in the first round. Quiddy Pay, another Vikings favorite. Uh, defensive end or, uh, you know, 3-4 linebacker, outside linebacker, Michigan here. Um, I know you're a big fan, Tyler. 
uh, explosive athlete. Uh, what, what, what are they getting out of him? I love Quiddy Pay. Uh, he uh, was number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Now we're talking a six three seven three cone, which uh, the PFF draft guys, Austin Gale and Mike Renner ended up sharing. It's just phenomenal. The things that he can do uh, uh, bending around the edge is fantastic. And I absolutely love what he brings to the game. And Quiddy Pay is an elite run defender already. He needs to work on his pass rush plan and utilize his uh, moves and counters a little bit more and be a little bit more effective. But I, I, the Jets desperately need pass rushers. They got Carl Lawson. They have Quinton Williams and Sheldon Rankins on the inside. Put Quiddy Pay on the other side of that line. And you have – he's, he's going to be a perfect five-tech. Robert Solid needs that kind of Michael Bennett player. And Quiddy Pay is a much higher upside athlete than Michael Bennett is. And I think it's just a great fit. And he's – He's going to be a really good player somewhere, and the Jets end up benefiting in this select, in this uh, exercise. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, time's come. We finally got to pick 24 here, Minnesota Vikings. All right, again, remember this mock draft was done uh, prior to our most recent signing of Patrick Peterson. Tyler has us taking cornerback Greg Newsom II, Northwestern. Again, I'm a big fan. I got him as my CB4. Um, you know, I think he plays with incredible um, passion, and, and he's just got a knack for those PBUs and, and getting to the ball here. Tell the, the fans here a little bit more about Greg Newsom here, Tyler. Greg Newsom is a, a starting caliber corner right away. Uh, he's got fantastic ball skills. Uh, he's got high levels of, of flexibility, and he's a really good athlete. He's, he's going to be a guy that attacks the football, and I think Mike Zimmer's going to prioritize that. He doesn't necessarily care about interceptions. He cares about pass breakups. He cares about stopping the receiver the second uh, that they end up catching the football, prevent the yards after the catch. I think uh, Newsom is going to be able to do both those things really well. And even with the Patrick Peterson signing, that doesn't necessarily mean it's a long-term answer, and I think this team still needs a cornerback. Now, it's going to frustrate Vikings fans that we've used so many assets at the position over the last decade. You're talking Xavier Rhodes, Trey Wayne, Mike Hughes, Jeff Gladney, all drafted in round one. And then you had uh, Mackenzie Alexander round two, Cam Dancer round three. It's a lot of assets to be throwing at that position. But here's the thing. You need to throw assets at that position because it's one of the most important positions in football. And in my opinion, the most important position on the defensive side. Get good players and you can't have enough. If we find out that Gladney and Dancer both end up hitting big. Then you have Greg Newsom the, the second as well. You're going to have an inexpensive cornerback room for a three-year window, and that's going to be massively valuable as you try to build other elements of your football team. Um, you could go with an edge rusher here. Jalen Phillips is on the board, and I absolutely love him. He's got some medical concerns, and we'll talk about that. Uh, you could go offensive line, which wouldn't be a bad option either. But when I saw Greg Newsom, I thought that Zimmer is going to prioritize this. And I think he's a fantastic football player who can start day one. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah what, and, I, and again, I don't think that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, David. If he can start day one, where do you see him starting? Because I don't think Dan you're going to have to have him start day one. And, and Peterson on the other. I think, I think that's this is the benefit here, Dave. He doesn't have to start day one, he can. And you can also utilize some like uh, special nickel packages where it's uh, like four corners and a safety where maybe you kind of have uh, Peterson playing a deep third 
or a, a center field instead, and then you have these three guys, and you can ease him in. Just because I think he's capable of starting right away doesn't mean you have to force it. Uh, well, we know and, Mike Zimmer doesn't usually start his first mm-hmm. round drafted corners. Uh, yeah, he's going to have time to develop, and I think that's going to be huge for him, and learning from a Patrick Peterson is going to be incredibly invaluable for everybody in that room. Okay. Now, we've gone in over an hour already. Let's wrap this show up. We'll skip the rest of this draft. Are there any last words going from this into what we're doing next week? Ryan? No, I think that, you know, there's uh, obviously, you know, again, this is just an exercise, right? This mm-hmm. is just uh, an opportunity for us to kind of practice what, what the real thing is going to be like. Um, I think Tyler put together a really great mock draft for the time being of w- when it was. I still think it's very valid now. Um, again, uh, you know, there's some there's some big names on the board that I'm sure Vikings Twitter would be loving a Elijah Vera Tucker and um, Jalen Mayfield and, and Jalen Phillips and, and a few of these other guys. Again, um, it's just an exercise, guys. This isn't what we're necessarily saying is going to happen. It, um, and and I think that, uh, you know, you're in for a good show because Tyler, um, Flip, myself, Matt, Miles, um, you know, whoever else we can get on the show, um, a lot of us have some good in, uh, takes on, on these prospects. I think Tyler's kind of our house expert here. Uh, but a lot of us are putting in some time watching film. And, and getting uh, knowledgeable so for all these guys. So no matter who the pick is, I think we're going to get some good content for you guys on who you're getting, uh, what he brings to the table, what he uh, is deficient at, and, and you're going to get a good overall analysis. Absolutely. Um, I, I think my last party thought, I'm going to just kind of read off the last picks so everybody kind of gets a feel of what the rest of that first round looks like, and then we can kind of uh, sign off and we can move forward and just uh, – leave a good taste in everyone's mouth for kind of what, what we're going to continue to do throughout this process. Uh, Jacksonville 25 picked Elijah Vera Tucker, not an offensive lineman out of USC. Great fit for them. They need offensive linemen to protect Trevor Lawrence. 26, the Cleveland Browns selected Jalen Phillips out of Miami. And I love Jalen Phillips. No but he's, he already retired once. Concussion issues. Red flags. We'll see. In 27, Baltimore Ravens, Gregory Rousseau, Miami. They need edge help. He fits. And he's going to have an opportunity to learn on the fly. 28, New Orleans Saints, Terrace Marshall Jr., wide receiver, LSU. Great compliment to Patrick or uh, Michael Thomas. James Winston still needs weapons down there. 29, Green Bay Packers, Nick Bolton, linebacker, Missouri. Desperately need linebacker. And he's, he's the best one outside of Michael Parsons in this class. He's going to fit like a glove. 30, Buffalo Bills, Travis Etienne, running back, Clemson. Home run hitter at the running back position. Something that the Bills sorely lacked last year. He is at, he could help put them over the top. 31 Kansas City Chiefs, Liam Eikenberg, offensive tackle Notre Dame. Probably the most pro-ready guy outside of Penny Sewell, but he's probably got a lower ceiling. He is just he's just gonna be a great blocker, and they need that right now. 32 Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Najee Harris, running back Alabama. Their running back room was just it was just a whole lot of I just don't know. And it, they made it work. They're in a tight Super Bowl window. Get one of the best running backs that's come out in a long time in Najee Harris and a ride. And it, you can really go anywhere you want with the Buccaneers pick, but they need a good running back and they got one. Cool. I want to thank everybody for participating, especially you that are viewing. 
we're going to work this out and produce a hopefully an outstanding <clears throat> show come the real draft. And uh, on behalf of me, Tyler, and Ryan, I want to thank you. Stay safe, stay healthy, and as always, Skull Vikings! Thank you for watching or listening. As always, if you like, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. And if you're listening to the podcast, please rate us on your favorite aggregator. Skull, everybody. Skull, everybody.